0: Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining today, he's a paramedic, medical doctor, mentor, content creator, and martial artist. It's Reynolds Kairos. How are you doing today, Reynolds?
1: I'm doing great, sir.
0: How about you? Doing so good. We are so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up.
1: So I'm coming straight, I'm coming to you guys straight from Corona, Queens, New York City. And what I used to like doing when I grew up was play sports. I was always into playing basketball and just playing hide and go seek with my friends and playing manhunt. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but in New York City, there's a game we play manhunt, which is like, I guess you could call it an advanced version of cops and robbers or an advanced version of hide and go seek, where we would hide on, hide on people's roofs. And uh, it's like, it's like <laughs> hide in people's roofs, hide in their tree houses. Uh, and stuff along those lines.
0: Did you kind of like the adventure extreme side to those? Because hiding on people's roofs and stuff, I mean, that doesn't sound like a normal kid doing.
1: It may sound crazy, but we were like in training for like police uh, activity. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like the ball would go to the other fence of the neighbor and we would try to find the most stealth way to get the ball, which was kind of weird, but we... Are like the neighborhood kind of like groomed us to to be uh, vigilant when it comes to police and those type of uh, setbacks for like the life of crime or whatnot. So uh, a lot of times we were mixing the fun with training and, and uh, yeah, definitely.
0: Did that ever worry you about something could happen with practicing or doing those kind of activities and like being around like the life of crime?
1: No, um, there comes a time where like you become immune to it, mm-hmm. I guess you can say. Like, uh, you know, as we all know, humans are very adaptable creatures. So there comes a point where you get so used to being around it that you adapt to it. It's not necessarily that you want to partake in it, but it just does. You you get one step closer towards it to becoming a norm on a day-to-day basis.
0: Growing up, did you have anyone that was a big inspiration for you or a motivator?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But unfortunately, the motivations and the inspirations at first weren't all that positive. So I was raised without a father, right? And I was basically reaping the negative consequences of a single mother on a government assistant in a poverty-stricken neighborhood. And with poverty comes crime, with poverty comes disease and ignorance. And I'm not going to lie. My father figures growing up was like gangster movies and gangster rap. So uh, definitely negative influences at the beginning.
0: With those motivators and with the whole theme around gangs, did it kind of want to influence you to kind of join in that lifestyle?
1: Most definitely. I actually ended up joining a gang when I was uh, in, in the early 2000s. So definitely, definitely went ahead and uh, followed through with all those seeds, like those seeds that were planting in my head, Mm -hmm. uh, eventually flourished for sure.
0: What do you feel that that gang that you were part of brought you there? Was it the kind of, now people might think, gangs really have that brotherhood, you're there for each other, and they kind of teach you about kind of that lifestyle. What did that gang bring you to learn about yourself?
1: A sense, well, the the motivation was like a sense of validation, a sense of belonging, a sense of participating in something bigger than me, which at the end of the day, that's something that all humans want, you know, Mm -hmm. people want to belong, people want to feel like they're a part of something, people feel like there's a, want to feel like they're a part of something that their purpose is bigger than them. Um, And what it did for me was it provided access to father figures. Not the ideal father figures, but you know, yeah. hindsight is hindsight is twenty twenty. but it provided me like access to, to some of the people like in, in the neighborhoods, we'll call it their name ring bells, mm-hmm. name ring bells. Like when when you hear their name is like, oh my God, here comes the boogie monster or whatnot. So, um, I had access to these guys cause I was in the same, uh, group as them. And it it bring it bring a sense of power just to be around like the tough guys and imitate them and emulate them. So uh, it brought me it brought me an increase in self esteem. You know, which is something that I struggled with my whole life. like lack of self esteem, lack of self worth.
0: Do you feel that the things that you did it was rewarding? Like you kind of talked about that you were going through self esteem, self worth. And this was an opportunity to, like, overcome those items.
1: Well, to be honest, in that whole ordeal, that whole time that I spent there, I was m- more a voyeur than anything else. Like, I didn't really partake in any major crimes. I was there as a witness and saw it. But I was always the good guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was the guy, like, as they were doing something screaming in the background, like, yeah, 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 the cops are coming, the cops are coming, let's bounce, let's bounce, let's leave. But the cops weren't coming. It's just that I felt so bad about what they were doing that I was trying to, like, because that was the only thing that were, like, that they, they would black out, and that's the only thing that would enter their mind, like, the cops are coming. So it'll be like, all right, let's run. You know, so um, with me, that whole experience is more like witnessing witnessing what these bad guys from my neighborhood were doing and technically like, you know, being an accomplice, but not really doing it more like just learning from it, which is kind of weird.
0: Were you able to be open with like family and friends outside of that group about what you were taking part in and being a part of it?
1: Uh, No, but it was obvious. They, 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 smell it on my clothes <laughs> you know for example like like back when uh marijuana was illegal um you know they would smell it on my clothes and and uh it, there was a lot of hints to the point where the way my mother found out uh the way she it was confirmed was there was this guy who worked at the local grocery store who was her friend and he was like listen your son is out of control he's always walking in there to buy loose cigarettes. He's always walking in there to buy wrapping paper for his marijuana. He's always around a bad crowd. And like, it was finally like, you know, that, that, that put the nail on the coffin. That's when my mother was like, what? Oh, well, really? I was, I was, I was suspected of this, but okay. And then her repercussion to that was she deported me to the Dominican Republic. Oh, wow. Yeah. She like, went with me to the Dominican Republic and took away my passport. I mean, I'm American. I was born and raised here in the United States, but she basically deported me. And that's something that Caribbean parents do where they take you to their, their, their mother's land, their country of origin. So you can appreciate what uh, the United States has to offer. Um, and in her case, it was kind of like a big mistake because it made things worse temporarily. Cause It's lawless over there. Like, they don't have forensic files and stuff over there, you know? They don't have, like, all this high-tech stuff. So while I was there, I was like, ah, these, these country people, who the hell are they? I'm from New York City. They don't know who the heck I am, you know?
0: Well, you talked about where it's lawless, and you mentioned that it kind of made it worse. Was there ever kind of a moment that you kind of thought okay, maybe I need to get on the right track. Maybe try a different approach, different tactic, and because th- you never know what could happen. Things could get worse, dangerous, things like that, but you wanted to be there for your mom and go on the Yeah.
1: Right. Thank you for asking that, you know, and that's what happened. Like, I was over there. I was acting stupid. I was wearing gang beads. I was loud and obnoxious at 15 years old. This was a few months after the World Trade Center was hit on uh, 2001. And that same Christmas day, I was riding around the neighborhood at 3 in the morning, and I got pulled over by another scooter. I was riding around in a scooter. like This is very common in the Caribbean. Um, and the guy pulled me over. He grabbed me. I, sh- I shook myself loose, and he started shooting at me. Like, I I was able to escape from playing football. I always remember, like, don't run straight, run in zigzag. So yeah. as as I was running away with the scooter, and I was able to break free from the grip he had on me because he had a gun in his waist. All I heard was gunshots behind me. And eventually, you know, it was a, it was a small town. I figured out who it was. Me and the people I was with were planning. Um, to to get payback. And that's when it hit me on a hot Dominican afternoon where it was like, I heard this echo in my head that I always heard, but this time I actually paid attention. And it said if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to end up dead or in jail. Mm -hmm. And this is something that all throughout junior high school, everywhere I went, I always heard it. But this time it echoed like a real echo, thunderous echo And I realized, like, whoa, I'm, like, planning a murder here. (laughs) You know, like, what the heck am I doing? Whoa. Uh, And and I set my pride aside. I set my ego aside. I was like, I got to do something. I got to get out of here. I just got to leave that the way it was or whatever happened. Just leave it alone because nothing good is going to come out of it. And that's when I was introduced to becoming a first responder. That same day, I was like, "All right, all right, well, I got to keep myself busy." So I should, I need, you know, where I'm from. Like, if you have a a city job and a big screen TV, you've made it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the 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 epitome of success. So I was like, "Okay, okay, I need a job. I need a steady income. I need a steady ooh uh, job security comes from being a first responder." I was like, "Ah, firefighter? No, I'm not crazy about doing that." A police officer, no, they're not my best friends right now. And then I was like, oh, a paramedic. Yeah, those are the good guys. I'll do that. Yeah, they always help my mother every time I have to call one for her. Um, My grandmother, because my grandmother was obese and she had diabetes, so we had to call the ambulance for her frequently. And then uh, I ended up, that's how I started my career in healthcare. In 2003, it's now 2023, and 20 years later, Wow. you know that was the start right there like you know the, to answer your question that answers like your question and also the question of how I started in in healthcare it was like looking for a way out of
0: my past if you weren't a first responder sometimes we have that question what's that dream job was it was it always in that route or did you have a dream in a different type of job or profession before like getting into a gang or having that realization that you wanted to be a first responder
1: my dream profession was to be incarcerated for something way more violent than what my cousins were being incarcerated for wow literally like barney was on the tv and i was like yeah yeah whatever i'm trying to like be respected more than my cousin, who keeps coming in and out of jail. Because it's just like that environment at that time. And like we're talking about New New York City in the '90s. Mm-hmm. This is way before gentrification, way before the revamp of New York City. Um, it's like a different type. It's like this is a different type of New York City where you. Especially in the inner city of New York City, like far from the tourist attractions, it's like you know, either you sink or you swim. You know, and then and, and or or are you the prey or are you the or are you the the person who's eating? So, you know, I guess not having a father put like a chip in my shoulder, you know, like prove prove it even more, you know, <laughs> like prove even more that you're a man even though no one showed you how to be one.
0: Especially with that, you see that a lot nowadays with people who don't have fathers or not having that father figure role model in their life and paths go in so many different ways. But there's always something, like you mentioned how you had that voice in your head that told you maybe, maybe this isn't right, but some people aren't lucky to have that that moment hit them. And if you didn't have that moment, you don't know where you would be today. And that's, that's the world that we live in is people have so many different paths that you just have to go with it and let the whole effect happen.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of times when on the ambulance, right? Like when I work in the New York City 911 system, we get called to like uh, bookings, central mm-hmm. bookings, which is like where the the step before the jail, yeah. Uh this with the you know, and I go into these places and also when I had family members and friends and loved ones incarcerated, when I used to go visit them, every single time I would look around and I'm like, I feel like I belong here. Cause everyone there is like me in a sense, in the sense where like I was raised around these, like these guys look like people I went to high school with, they look like people I went to junior high school with. So you know, I think I, I I'm pretty sure that um, I would have ended up dead or in jail. Like if if I would have continued down that path, is what I'm saying.
0: When you started learning about becoming a first responder, did anything excite you about the learning process and all that?
1: Uh, yeah, the idea of how very simple techniques could save somebody's life, and and. And allow them to live another day. Like something as simple as the Heimlich maneuver. Yep. You know, like, it's just so simple. Just thrust their stomach. Thrust their stomach and you'll get that chicken bone or that marble or that uh, foreign body out of their airway passage. And it's just, it's so intriguing to me to know that um, such, such simple things can make such a big difference.
0: How long was the learning process before you were actually out in the field working?
1: So the first the first training is three months. The first training for an emergency medical technician, the program I went to in Brooklyn, New York in 2003, was three months. So after the three months, as long as you have a driver's license and you're over 18 years old, then you go ahead and you jump right on the ambulance. So in my case, I was... Seventeen when I was taking the class, but by the time the New York State exam came around, it was a few days after my birthday. So I've been basically a healthcare provider since I was a teenager. Wow. Then I'm going on thirty eight this year. So it's like you know, even that that reaction you have, and even I have. I'm like, wow, like like <laughs> I didn't realize like all this stuff happened such a long time ago. But yeah,
0: you know. It, ju- it just shows how much you care about that career and how it's so important it is to you that you're still doing it 20 years later. But you're still finding other avenues to continue finding new passions, new things that you enjoy doing at the same time.
1: Yeah, what I found, what I found is that my purpose of for 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 rising to the challenge, my purpose for being here, is because I'm a healer. Mm-hmm. I'm a healer and I'm a warrior. That's, you know, so like you mentioned, uh, you and I, we're leveraging the internet, we're leveraging every all these resources that now we have available to us at 2023 yep. to be able to help more people. Because I always say like, and people always say knowledge is power. I want to add to that. I would like to say that the best knowledge is the one you share with somebody. Yes, but if you want to go one step forward, forward, uh, further, it's like the best knowledge is the one you share with someone who's ready to apply it. Because, you know, sometimes it falls on deaf ears, unfortunately. And um, like you said, you know, I'm a healer and now we're doing, we're adapting to the changes. You know, next thing you know, there'll be like an artificial intelligence
0: version of me or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: like I'll clone myself or something. Who knows? Let's see what happens. You know?
0: Hopefully that's so far advanced down the road i don't want to kind about
1: robots (laughs) listen i have a youtube channel right and it's like uh we're gonna give you recommendations for like what you should write in the video description and i use it it's so good but then i'm like oh my god they're taking away my writing ability now (laughs) you know (laughs) they took away my, my my right to like uh my ability to remember phone numbers you know like now remembering phone numbers is uh Uh, difficult compared to before and now it's like oh my god now these things are writing for me and it's like oh my god you got to be careful not to become obsolete
0: you know yes with your career path in the last 20 years working that job has it kept you on a straight path where you don't think about your past life and getting involved into those things that you were involved in back then
1: yeah definitely um once you Once you taste lobster, it's very hard to go back to sardines, I guess you could say. Once you, like, taste the good life, and this goes for your health, this goes for just random things that you could imagine that you know you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And we have to listen to the listener. You have to be very mindful. Because if you do fall back in your old ways, you identify with it so much deeper. And it makes it that much harder for you to overcome. So let's say you quit smoking cigarettes. And you, two years straight, no more smoking, no more vaping. And all of a sudden, this very very stressful event in your life hits you. And now you're back to smoking cigarettes. And once you're back to smoking, it makes it that much harder to quit because you identify with it more. I'm just a smoker. I'm never going to quit. You know, so... One thing I notice is that when we make life transitions, we can't give our old self any room to breathe. We have to like suffocate this person. You have your new self and your old self. You have your new life and your old life. You can't have a boat. Mm-hmm. So you have to literally suffocate the old version of yourself. Because once you give, am I okay to curse? Oh, yeah. Once you give that motherfucker some leeway, he's going to rise to the challenge. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like He's just going to rise like, ooh, that's all I need. A little bit of depression, baby. I just need a little bit of depression, a little bit of anger. And here I am. The fucking phoenix inside of me is burning up and it grows and it grows. And then it takes over the good side, which is what you're fighting for. So, although when I became an EMT, a paramedic, I didn't leave it completely like... You know, there was times where I show up to work, like intoxicated from the night before. Wasn't, I'm not something, not something that I'm proud of. I used to sag my uniform pants. I used to like go to work with like stitches on my lip from fighting the night before, you know, um, at the beginning. But eventually, you know, I just, I just started to realize like you got to get around people who are going to, Add value to your life, you know, and and this is what this is something that happened with me where I started getting exposed to the, to the benefits of mentorship, to the benefits of having someone guide you down the right path. And, you know, once I got a taste of that, once I got a taste for the lobster, it's very hard to go back to, to what I was doing before.
0: Just with what you just said there, it, it kind of fits with the line that I always use, and when I was in college, is become the greatest version of myself. And it sounds like when you were going through mentorship and the people that you surrounded yourself, it has become made you become a greater version of yourself. That someone that you are proud of and continue to thrive to grow as an individual.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I say I always I always say that. One of the best ways to show love for yourself is to invest in yourself. Yes. And one of the best ways to show love for your mother, for your kids, for your wife, for your significant other, whoever you appreciate wholeheartedly. Oh, my God. On Valentine's Day, I bought this person a dozen roses and I will give my life to them. Oh, yeah. So if you really love your mom, then become a motherfucking beast. If you really love your kids, stop drinking beer. Mm-hmm. If you really love your family and you really love, fill in the blank, the blank of that person you really love, and give them a six pack. Like get in shape, like really in shape. Like look, like you know, at times you know I'm I'm pressed for time when I'm like always working and stuff like that, and I'll work out in front of my mom. I'll do 300 burpees and then be like, look, ma, all sweaty. Like, look, I came out of your body, ma. Look at what you gave birth to, you know? And this is what I mean. Like, we, I wholeheartedly agree. We need to become the best version of ourselves. But we need to not make the mistake I made, which is I thought that was exclusively professional. Like, I thought the best version of myself was exclusively professional. Like, I need to be as further along as possible as I can in, in my professional life. That's why I ended up becoming a medical doctor and having a doctorate degree. But, you know, part of being the best version of ourselves is also the essence of what makes us human. You know, what makes us human is like the mind body connection, for example, you know,
0: you talked about fitness and something that you're into is martial arts. How did you get involved in that?
1: So uh, I got involved in martial arts. My first introduction to self-defense was boxing. Boxing in my in, in the same neighborhood I was raised in Corona, Queens. Um, and I started boxing at the police academy league. And this was a refuge for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I used to train there five hours a day five days a week, usually from like 4.30 p.m. to almost 10 p.m. Monday through Friday. And I was going to get in the golden gloves and, uh, you know, start competing as a boxer. But then the gym closed. And it closed because of the lack of funding. And two weeks after it closed, that was when I got arrested for the first time so you know just to bring like just to make a link between the martial arts how i started and then what we were talking about before is like it kept me busy it kept mm-hmm. me really busy it kept me busy and away from all the all the nonsense but then as soon as i had that extra time available because they closed the the gym down then you know i was back to my old ways so please people take the lesson from what i'm saying the lesson from what i'm saying is once you're bored, you're susceptible to negative thoughts. And those negative thoughts will lead to negative acts. And those negative acts are way more subtle than what you think. Like something negative could be ah, I'll just have one Oreo, just one Oreo. And the next thing you know, you ate the whole sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that, when you look deep into it, You said you wouldn't do it, but you did. So you broke trust in yourself because of lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. And by breaking the trust in yourself and the lack of discipline, then you reduce your self-esteem because your subconscious recognizes like this motherfucker says he's going to do it and never does. Mm -hmm. And that's why you'll see grown men and women walk into a room with a sunken chest looking at the floor. Because unbeknownst to them, they've accumulated these lack of follow through, identity, and that's why their confidence is so low. That's why their energy is so low, amongst other reasons, you know. But um, yeah, martial arts um is like there. I've noticed that everything's linked, you know. Like you could find the link between painting a mural and life. You know, you can find the link between, like, the way ants move their food in an ant farm and life. Like, everything's linked. There's there's no coincidences here, you know? Like, everything is just, like, you know, if, you, if you're wise enough to notice it, you know?
0: You mentioned earlier about your YouTube channel. And if someone looks at your YouTube channel, you're very open about your career, your journey, your story, which is very positive and very opening, what made you want to start that channel and talk about the topics that you do talk about?
1: Um, like, I, like we mentioned before about sharing and paying forward our blessings, I feel obligated to do so. Like I feel obligated to do so because what you see in me is not a success story so much as it is a story and a testament of mentorship. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, a combination of everyone I've met in my past i'm a com- i'm I'm the product of being taken under the wing by different people at different stages of my life so you have mentors for different stages of your life right and it could be a virtual mentor it could be a book it could be in person so one thing I've noticed is that with uh the e m s industry uh and for her uh, and men and women of service. What allowed me to get started was one time I read a book by Gary Vee, mm-hmm. and it was Crush It!, and he was talking about like the the power of the internet and, and how the internet is such a great tool. Like, he broke down the power of the internet and what he forecasted for it to be, and I was like, oh, wow, I really got to start a YouTube channel eventually, but I never got around to it. Until I started having, like, after I, finished, after I became a doctor, I came back into the States. I got back on the ambulance. And one thing that's irregular is that we have students. Like, we have paramedic students all the time that are, like, trying to do what we're doing. So we're their preceptors. And what allowed me to start the YouTube channel was that I kept explaining the same thing to every single student. I was like, there's got to be a better way. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? like for something as simple as checking the ambulance appropriately to make sure that you have all the equipment that you need to save somebody's life, mm-hmm. I would have to re-explain it to everyone at a high level because I I didn't want to do it superficially. So what I did is I just made a video. It was like New York City ambulance tour. If you look for it, um, it's got like thousands of views. And that was one of the, it was just like a, a wanting to pay forward what I knew because think about it. There's not that many paramedics that are doctors. Yeah. And then on top of that, none of them, none of them worked in the South Bronx. Like I didn't get my paramedic experience from a gated community. I got it from one of the most busiest 911 systems in the world. And I didn't become a doctor at an Ivy League hospital. I became a doctor in the Dominican Republic where machete attacks are a normal thing. Where people getting operated with recycling gloves and they have to bring in their own water and, 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 and the public health system. That's where I learned. Like, I've had people's brains in my hands. I participated in the amputation of little kids' arms. I've delivered an unknown amount of babies. So I have all this wealth of knowledge and I'm like, I'd be a fucking asshole if I sit around with my fucking hands, like sitting on my hands with all this information. And that was one of the motivations to start the YouTube channel, to give my fellow men and women of service and whoever runs across the channel wisdom and best practices to be able to save a life. Because at the end of the day, you know, I could only probably save one life at a time. But there's so many EMTs and paramedics that they see me on the street, they see me at the hospital, they message me on social media like, yo, because of your YouTube channel, I'm a healthcare provider. Because of your YouTube channel, I'm an EMT. And we got to look at it deeper. Here -hmm. comes this person who is now equipped in their respective community to save your grandmother's life from the YouTube channel. So it's not about me is what I'm trying to say. Like I started to realize that there's a bigger picture, like what you're doing with this podcast, it's like a huge deal. Because you'll always hear someone you always hear like someone's huge testimony and they'll be like I remember this one piece of information or this one event that I went to or this one book that I read and it changed my life forever and that's what this podcast will do for you yeah you will eventually run into one piece of information that will allow you because that's usually what it takes like there's mentors right They'll charge a few hundred bucks per month to $120,000 a month. And what are they really sharing with you? Information. Yeah. That's it. Because we all take a shit, you know? We all sit (laughs) in the toilet. We all take a shit. There's no one better than anybody. So if you're like the apprentice for Joe Rogan, let's say, then it's like, oh, I get it now that makes sense. And you just tweak a few things and then things start to spiral out of control in a good way, mm-hmm. you know? So it's all about mentorship. And, you know, I'm just sharing with people what worked for me, you know? Because once you use something enough, you have to pour yourself back into that same medium. Like I I, I was in medical school, I used YouTube a lot. Mm-hmm. to like to study my for my board to study for my exams to study for everything and then I just you know it was so like it was so useful for me that I was like eventually I need to add add value to this platform
0: as well yeah I, so go ahead I love the mission that you have with your channel and it's the bigger impact and I love how you mentioned that It's for other people and it's not just a solo thing. And I can relate to that with the show and how you mentioned, I believe everyone has a story. Some people are out there sharing it. Some people may not be ready to share it, but when listeners are listening to it, they will connect to it. Even if they haven't told anyone, they'll hear something. It might bring up a memory. They might see something valuable in what that person says. And how you mentioned that, people go out there and say, Oh, I heard I, this has changed my life because I heard this one thing. And I see the value of me doing this show because I love sharing that the wisdom, the knowledge of my guests, because it's so inspiring to hear their story and what they've gone through. Cause I can't relate, but I have my own story and you have your own story, but there's so many people out there that can relate to our stories.
1: For sure. And one thing I've noticed is, um, you know, I've been able to reach over 4 million people worldwide, right, awesome. with, with with my different uh, platforms. And one thing I've noticed is we need to shy away from, I mean, they're important, but we got to stop prioritizing. As a society, not just me and you, but as a society, we need to shy away from views, likes, and, like, what people, like, ratings... I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything's important. Yeah, like you can't say money is not everything. You need money. Shut up. What the fuck are you talking about? Like you need money. So ratings and likes is not everything, but you need them because it's part of what uh, it's used to measure your success. But the reason why I bring it up is because some of the most valuable pieces of information are not are are hidden. Mm-hmm. They're hidden, and they're not uh they're not where you expect them to be. you know what I mean so don't sleep on don't sleep on the impact that you can make because if you get twenty views, but that of those twenty people, just one person yep. makes a change that one change causes a ripple effect that goes on for eternity. Like, literally, remember when you drop a, like a like a rock in the lake and then it just ripples?
2: hmm
1: Yeah, so it's not about the views. Because, you, you know, you can't be... You got to realize, man, especially on Instagram and these different platforms, you can buy views. You can buy followers. So don't be confused. Like, on my YouTube channel, I'm going on like almost 2,500 followers. And it's all... I'm not fucking dancing with no shirt on. You understand? Like I'm telling motherfuckers what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Like I got, I got a video titled "Alcohol is for fucking losers." You know the paramedic who 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 identifies with drinking beer and watching football. He doesn't want to watch that fucking video, especially if I'm a fucking doctor. Well, what the fuck? Here comes this doctor who's also a paramedic and he's in shape and his wife is 14 years younger than him. And look, he he's 38, but he looks like he's fucking in his twenties. I don't want to listen to this fucking guy telling me that I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm not going to share that. So, you know, just to let you guys know, you got to look at the quality, not the quantity, Yeah. you know, but eventually, you know, you chip away at something enough, it'll fucking, it'll give, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say just stay the course, you know?
0: Looking at your story now, family is a big part of your life, being a husband and father. What has that played an impact in your everyday course of life?
1: I feel that the number one way to show love is through actions and results. Yep. Man, as a man, you're supposed to be able to protect, provide, and lead your family. So what I've been able to do is I've had the mindset shift where I use what most motherfuckers use as an excuse to not do shit as a motivation. Like I got out of work. I came home. My wife is still healing from the, the, from the natural labor. I did the laundry at 3, 4 in the morning. Like if you go to my Instagram right now, you'll see this. And then after doing the laundry, I ran to the gym to to to, to, to help a client of mine. And then after that, I continued to run my business. So there comes a time where you need to realize humans are willing to do for somebody else what they wouldn't do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, if you leave it up to to me, for example, I would love to just eat fried chicken, pizza, ice cream, watch Netflix, and just be entertained while having orgasms every day. And smoking hookah and smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol, mixing them with energy drinks. Because our brain is made to survive, not thrive. Our brain is made to like save and conserve energy. So you can't let it control you, you know? So that being said, um, being a father, being a husband has allowed me to this next level selflessness. I've always had it, you know, this is what I've dedicated my life to doing, which is helping people. But now... I'm learning and I've learned to take myself out of the equation Mm -hmm. because a lot of times fathers and husbands aren't living the best scenario with their significant other and their kids because they're selfish little bitches. And trust me, I know I'm divorced. I'm remarried. The reason I got divorced is because I was a selfish little bitch. I was 70 pounds heavier My kidneys were failing me. I was filled with fucking eczema. And it was because I was stressed out while becoming a doctor. I made the mistake of prioritizing my professional development over my personal development. I almost lost my life to becoming a doctor. And I also got divorced for the same reason. Because it was like, why me? Why me? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I've been studying all day. I've been working all day. And then, like, for example, when I was in medical school, they took away my school loans. I was far, I was semesters into medical school, and I was, it was working, and then all of a sudden, there go your fucking funds, asshole, figure it out, sink or swim. You know what I did? I started working in New York City as a paramedic, while going to medical school in the Dominican Republic. Talk about a fucking commute, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I would work on long weekends and vacations to fund my fucking dream of becoming a doctor. I would work in New York City in the South Bronx on an ambulance, save lives, do the man-of-service work, and then go back to continue to learn fucking Spanish in Dominican Republic, medical Spanish. I started a business out of nowhere. I, you know, I created a sense of urgency in the university, and then I ended up becoming the emergency brigade instructor for the whole university, teaching their staff, like CPR, first aid, and emergency preparedness. Um, And that's how I paid for school. But that raised that, all doing all those things while having two kids while going to medical school. Like I had both my sons, Reynolds and Xavier, seven and six years old, respectively. And I just had a newborn baby daughter two months ago. Her name is Dahlia. With my wife, Preciosa Digna, distress um, got to me, and at those times in my life, I use negative venting mechanisms. These include, but are not limited to, alcohol. That's why I say alcohol is for losers because you're losing your time, you're losing your money, you're losing your neurons, you're losing your hepatocytes. There's, it's a lose lose. I don't give a fuck who you are or how often you drink. Every time you drink alcohol, you're losing something. You can paint it however you want. Even The Rock is fucking selling tequila. This behemoth of a man is influencing people to kill themselves. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, fast food, tasty foods, gluttony. Gluttony is everybody's problem, man. Gluttony is linked to all of America's problems, some way, somehow. So, you know, this is what I'm saying. Like, when you when you live both sides of the coin, is that's what allows you to speak with it. With it, a lot of people they're taking like fucking. It's just retarded. Like you got people taking fucking like life. Life coach certifications. Like, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of my face. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Life coach certifications. Like, who the fuck are you? What have you been through? Like, the only people who are respected in this world are people that went through something and they come out better on the other side. That's the only people who are respected. You know? And it's like, you know, if you notice, there's like, I'm like bipolar in a sense, because there's like different tones of my, of my fucking delivery. And it's because, man, there's certain topics that it's just like, oh my God, I wish people would just wake the fuck up. You know, like you're receiving life advice from someone who's not where you want to be. Like, you have to stop that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to stop that. You cannot, like, I, I, I was listening to this book on marketing. And this lady was like, listen, this book is all about branding, and this is how you brand yourself on the internet. But if for some reason you had a bad day, what I recommend you do is what I do is I get a supersized fry with a barbecue and sweet and sour. I mix them up and then I have a McFlurry and, and I just call it a day and I watch my favorite Netflix and then I start again the next day. I'm like, what the fuck is she telling people to do? So you need to be mindful of who is influencing you. Like, honestly, you know, choose your fucking, choose what you consume wisely. And it's not just food. It's also the content. Mm
0: -hmm. You know? The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge?
1: My sincere advice is for you to first understand that if it can be done, it could be done. Mm -hmm. If someone else did it, you can do it. The thing is, you need the right blueprint. One thing I learned in genetics class is that human beings and pretty much everything in the universe is 99.9% identical. What changes us is our 0.01% genetic variability, which is what makes us uh, individual. So it's doable. Everything is doable. If you're good at being you, you'll be good at anything. Think about the energy that I have. Think about how I'm talking about working out and being strong physically and being strong mentally. And that extrapolates into my finances. That extrapolates and trickles down into my spiritual life. So if you have this goal and you have obstacles, understand first and foremost that it can be done. Mm -hmm. Don't be a bitch. Don't be a quitting little bitch because you're going to be carrying that weight around. The second thing I got to tell you is this just because you don't know how to do it doesn't mean that you cannot do it. Cause a lot of times people, they don't find the way and they just give up. Let's search for the answer. And the best way to search for the answer is a mentor. Yep. High level individuals. Notice how this big brother resonated with it immediately. High-level individuals understand the power of mentorship. Understand the power of collapsing time. They understand the power of guidance. Anything that you want to do in your life, you need to find someone with similar results in that area and fucking pay them. Do whatever it is you have to do to have them teach you what they did. Because once again, if they can do it, you can do it. We all take a shit, right? So my advice to you is find someone that can help you. Because the solutions are usually very simple. And it's easier to find the solution when you look at it from the outside in. But when you're the one in the inside trying to look out, your vision may get blurry. Mm-hmm. And my advice to you is call me, motherfucker. Hit me up on Instagram. This is what you should do. I am literally a healthy health expert. And this is not self-promotion, even though it serves as self-promotion. This is literally me speaking to you sincerely. I was arrested. I'm a high school dropout. I've been shot at. I'm divorced. I had suicidal thoughts. I was obese. My kidneys were failing me. Now I have a doctor degree in medicine. My wife is 14 years younger than me. She's a model. She knows four languages and is going to be an architect. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've reached over 4 million people worldwide. So if you're going to take life advice, you don't have to take it from me, but it's got to be someone on my fucking level or higher. Why? Because it's just a mindset shift. You just need to understand these are the things. The mindset is what's going to allow you to reach where you want to reach. Simple as that. So, you know, if you're in this phase in your life where, like, you're trying to overcome obstacles, I've overcome all of them. Every single obstacle that's been in my path trying to stop me, I've fucking just plowed through them. Maybe not um, immediately, but I always find the way. Mm -hmm. So that's why I dare to say, based on my credentials, based on my experience and my fucking results. Like, I'm not speaking off the side of my neck. Like, you could just fucking look around. That's why I always say, I'm a worldwide mentor. I mentor people. And it goes back to the same thing about the YouTube channel. I received so much benefit from mentorship that now I have to become a mentor. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I have to pay these blessings forward. I have to. My first mentor, besides the street, like when I decided to do better, my first mentor survived 9-11. He was like a first responder that was there in the trenches. My second mentor was a medical doctor with a very similar background to me. He's now a medical director who owns like dozens of emergency rooms all throughout the United States of America. Then after that, I had another mentor, multi 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 million dollar man who makes like $900,000 a month. Wow. I these are my mentors. Like, I go to the fucking top. I don't, you know, like, so, like, what you see in me is a product of all those individuals along with all the people that I meet along the way. So if you want to overcome obstacles, just look me up. And don't even write me. Just see what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, like, ah, this motherfucker's full of shit. Let me see. Let me fucking research him, you know. And you'll see what I'm talking about. And then make the decision for yourself. But if you don't reach out to me, definitely, definitely stay around this type of energy. Because God's timing is perfect. Not everyone's ready for this. There's certain times, like I hear things, but it's not until I'm ready to hear it that I really hear it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I said at the beginning, where like I always heard, like you're gonna end up dead or in jail. You're gonna end up dead or in jail. And it wasn't until I was fucking premeditating a murder that I actually heard it. So, you know, this this information, a lot of times self-improvement has a negative side to it. The negative side to self-improvement is that motherfuckers get a false sense of accomplishment. These motherfuckers really think they're doing something by listening to this. Yes, you are doing something. This is much better than fucking watching tutors or breaking bad on fucking netflix or wherever the fuck you watch it you understand but there's but so much you can listen to until you start acting upon it so just don't fall into the trap of listening and reading and let me just get one more certification just one more certification until you start doing what you're supposed to do just get to work bro because you could like don't do what I did. I was a smart, dumb motherfucker. I was so smart that I was dumb as fuck. Like, I was so smart deciphering, like, the reason for living. <laughs> you know, like, these these fucking dumb ass shit. Like, I was so busy thinking that I wasn't doing. Like, don't be a, a dumbass intellectual. Like, get the fuck to work. Work is the great equalizer. And remember... A real friend is gonna tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So a lot of times people will try to uh rebuttal what I'm saying, or they'll they'll try to go against it. But deep down inside they know I'm right. They're just trying to justify their low-level existence. Like I'm a bitch, I know I'm a bitch, but let me tell you why being a bitch is okay. And that's like that's what I hear when I hear people justifying. And maybe maybe it's wrong on my part to like ignore people's opinion when it has when it goes against mine, and I'm conscious of that. But I noticed that what's right is right, and you don't have to explain it. You know, like being sober is right. Giving back to humanity is right. Being the best version of yourself, the strongest version of yourself, the best version of yourself. It's right. There's not there's like there's not there's nothing to lose there and everything to gain. Everyone around you benefits from you following this path. Everyone. So I don't have to justify like whenever I hear someone like, ah, just drinking beer on the weekends is okay or like, you know, you gotta enjoy life. Like you're a fucking father, bro. You got a wife and kids. Like, it's not about you anymore. Like, men were made to be sacrificial and, like, go out and fight for food with a machete or whatever the fuck. And if they died in the process, they died in the process. It sounds crazy, you know? But at the end of the day, artificial intelligence is among us. And we can't shy away from those things that allowed us to be the strongest species in the world. Of course, leverage the internet. Leverage Uber Eats. Fuck it. But be mindful at least of what the fuck is doing to you. You know? Like, don't let comfort kill you.
0: Well, Reynolds, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rights to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people. And we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm here for you. Tune in next time here. My next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You Die.